Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. Thank you again for tuning in every Monday for a brand new episode. I gotta say, I still have the best guests. I do, I do, I do. And today is no exception. I am so excited to welcome a fellow Canadian on here, Heather Kahn. Hi, Heather. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come here and to talk about today. We're going to talk about writing as a form of healing and storytelling and get into the nitty gritty of things. So I want to let you guys know a little bit about who Heather is anyway. So Heather Kahn, she is a writing coach for Trauma Memoirs and the author of her incest memoir, which is called No Letter in Your Pocket, How a Daughter Chose Love and Forgiveness to Heal from Incest. She has also written more than 50 publications and about half a dozen anthologies. She just loves helping people through writing. She's going to share today some prompts and techniques that will help us uh, move forward and to get started on our healing journey. And there's no better way to tell and explain that to people and the best way to do that than to tell us about her personal story. So she's come here today and I got to say... Um, some of the most incredible people I meet are people who are brave enough to come here to talk to us, to share their ups and downs. And that's what really helps us connect with our guests. So I'm so like, so happy. And I'm so excited that you come here to do that today. Well, I'm really happy to be here. That's great. So I know you're in BC right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. But uh, you knew exactly where I live. I'm in Barrie, Ontario. <laughs> And uh, you grew up, I guess, in Toronto. Uh, yes, I did. And ironically, I um, was born in Vancouver. I wasn't supposed to be. My mom had come out, I think it was her first ever flight to see my dad win <laughs> an award. And I decided to be born while she was in Vancouver. And uh, she never did get to see my dad get that award. Instead, they came back <laughs> with me. So... What an incredible story. That's amazing. Wow. You came in with a bang. Yeah. That's great. So Heather, on a personal human level, who are you? Who am I? I'm a seeker, an adventurer, a writer, and someone who has just innately creative and has to use creativity in some form every day. And someone who's always 
looking for uh, the hidden things behind everything and and what's really going on behind in my own life and everyone else's I don't accept things on surface levels at all and I always look at things at a symbolic level that's amazing I love it I love curiosity and creative people honestly like I just seem to get a lot of energy from that so thank you so Heather I know that you're a writing coach. How did this all start? How did you get into becoming a writing coach? Well, I've been teaching and off and on for uh, 40 years in all different capacities from teaching full-time at a college, te teaching workshops, um, webinars, and in a lot of different genres, uh, screenwriting, travel writing, professional writing, um, creative writing. I teach creative right now, creative writing right now. Last spring, I did a uh, online course for um, University of King's College in Halifax that was called um, Writing from Pain to Power, which I really mm -hmm. enjoyed. So um, the, the, edit, the writing coaching part just seemed to evolve out of that because I was also an editor. I still work as an editor. I edit book manuscripts and all kinds of stuff too. I've worked as an editor for um, publishers in the past and all kinds of other things. But so I just felt like as an editor, you work one-on-one -on -one with authors. And I found that a lot of times there was sort of a psychological component to it and that people want to learn more rather than just getting the manuscript back. So it just evolved into, I really like the one-on-one -on -one connection mm. with people. So it just evolved kind of naturally. And then um, sometimes the students I had in classes wanted to work with me one-on-one. -on -one, and so I got clients that way. And then having written a trauma memoir of my own, I felt like I could help other people who are trying to do the same thing. So I do also coach other topics too, but trauma is the one I'm particularly, has really gives me a lot of meaning and satisfaction. So. Mm. Is that because you know how healing it is to be able to write through that? Well, yes. And also I know how scary it can be because here I was, I had already written four books I'm a professional writer, and I was amazed how daunting it was even for me because I had never written anything that was so personal and, and you know, it's like opening your diary and saying here and you don't know how total strangers are going to respond to it. So, yeah, I was actually quite surprised um, what came up for me doing it. So I thought, wow, if I'm having this reaction, what is it like for someone who's, like, never written anything before? So... <clears throat> There's a lot of risk to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It can be scary. Um, did you find that when you were writing your own personal story, it just kind of flowed out of you as opposed to the other writings? Um, I would say yes or no. I mean, structuring a memoir it can be challenging in the type I was doing because I was incorporating childhood flashbacks and I tried a, a lot of different ways of where to place them and I was moving chapters around and things like that so the the logistical part of it was um challenging but uh yeah there's definitely I mean I think in any creative process at some point you're you're in the flow it's not like that's the perpetual state but that's that's one to me one of the great um satisfactions of being in a creative process it is you just as if you're willing to surrender and open up it's just incredible what can come out 
on 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 this podcast we talk a lot about how we should daily give something to ourselves which will help us become empowered more confident take care of ourselves so that we're able to take care of other people would you say that one of your biggest gifts that you gave to yourself was working through the writing and allowing yourself to write your personal story or would you say it's something else um i would say at a more fundamental level it's basically honoring my creative self and bringing a voice to it in whatever form that can come can be for instance i also do photography and i do a process i'm a trained facilitator in a process called soul collage which is very hmm. powerful hmm. and it works with symbols and images so uh, for me, it's really important to to follow that urge. If you're feeling drawn to something, even if your logical brain is saying, look, I'm supposed to be doing X, Y, Z, but no, honoring that creative self and the fact that it will lead you to where you're meant to go, even if it doesn't make any sense to your left brain logical self. <laughs> That's what I think. As soon as you surrender and open up to that process, it's phenomenal, but I know a lot of people, it can feel very scary because it's um, it's literally out of control and we're all trained to, you know, we're supposed to know everything ahead of time. And even with the writing process, we're told in school, you know, you should always have the outline done first and mm. all that stuff. And I mean, that's one way of approaching things, but it's certainly not the only one, that's for sure. I love that you push that comfort envelope. It's mm -hmm. awesome. It makes things so much more interesting. I always say, you know, quote unquote, normal people are boring. <laughs> so well, it's interesting because for years, like I'm really into the what the wild mind process that Natalie Goldberg talks about, which is about basically just stream of conscious writing, give yourself timed exercise, maybe 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever, and just write whatever comes out and don't censor yourself. And it's a really powering empowering process if you let yourself um, go with it and it's interesting because I've had students that you can see the resistance comes up because for instance somebody's may, might have just finished a PhD thesis or, and they're so used to having everything all structured and, and on top of it all and then they and they're kind of pushing back but then you see them let go and be open to it and then they see what comes out and it's just that too is very fulfilling just to see somebody it's like watching somebody's eyes light up they something <laughs> and they're they're often amazed at what comes up themselves too because i really believe it connects us with the subconscious and it can be your deeper much wiser self can pop out on the page with something that they might not have even have thought of since they were five years old or something hmm. sounds like a definite growth process mm -hmm. What would you tell a student or even just someone who's interested in the writing process, how to get through those times where they're afraid to write the truth? Like, how do you get through that? Well, I, that's where I think that wild mind process can be handy. Like you, if it's something from childhood, you can just start with an opening sentence, like I remember, and then just write whatever comes up. I remember, keep repeating. I remember, I remember. And then you can also do, just to, to mix it up a little bit, you can do, I do not remember. Like if you do the opposite, because oh, that's, oh. your mind is not used to thinking in those terms and that can really um, bring things up 
too. So that, and I would just say always honoring something at, at any given time. And if you're feeling more drawn to something, go with that. Because I think the issue, some people get caught up in the fact that they, because they've read an article that some famous writer has done their process this way, then they think that's the way they have to do it too. And I always reinforce to people, students and clients, look, honor your own process, whatever works for you. I mean, here's some suggestions, but it really comes down to what works for you. Yeah, if we put everybody in a box, all the writing is going to kind of sound really um, robotic after a while. So I love that you do that. So here's an example. My brother and I obviously grew up in the same household, but we remember things in very different ways. So it, I feel like it doesn't matter how other people remember things, but be true. Don't try to cover up or change things just to make it easier for people to read or perhaps um, have to prove that this is your story because you do remember things in different ways uh -huh. and in my case that is the way that it happened um, do you find that people struggle with that a lot oh absolutely because everybody's looking for reinforcement validation and approval and you know I keep I always keep saying look no one else except you has had your experience. No one else can tell you that your experience is wrong because that's your own experience. And it's actually very normal um, to have different members of the family remember something differently. I mean, that's uh, a pretty standard thing. But yeah, it's, it is really about honoring your own process and and especially depending on what this topic is a family is going to usually sort of double down if, if you're writing on something that's going to be revealing a skeleton in the closet it's pretty normal for other family members to double down and try to make mm. you be wrong or shame you or something and that's when your courage has to really come to the fore and you know, really honor your own truth and your own story. And it's it's not easy. It takes a lot of courage. Absolutely. But it's more like the more of a challenge it is, the more proud you are at the end of it. Oh, absolutely. And it and it also there's a real gift in getting the story out of your body. I mean, people can sit on something for years or their whole lifetime and, and in some way it's eating away at you. And to just get it physically out onto the page or on the screen or whatever, that's why I like the term crossing the threshold. You've mm -hmm. crossed a threshold. It's taking it from the invisible, if you want to call it dark realm, out into to the, to the light. And, and that's a huge gift. I mean, even if you chose to not end up doing anything with it, just the fact that you've brought a voice to it for the first time is a really empowering step. Mm. Yeah, that's another reason I think that it's important to work with somebody like you because it can be a scary place and you can create a safe space for them to share. Oh, absolutely. And I, I share my own experiences and the own the challenges that I had. So then they can realize that not it's not just them because that can be an easy tendency to think, oh, this must be just me. And any writing, because it tends to be a solitary pursuit it's easy to feel as if you're in a void I mean you can be in a writer's group but if somebody hasn't been like our society is not trauma informed in general for instance and if you're in a writer's group and they don't understand 
trauma, that can be um, disturbing too. I actually had somebody in one of my classes had gone to a writer's group and she had broken down and started crying when she was reading the thing she wrote. And I can't believe this still, the leader of the group basically said she wasn't welcome to come back to the group. And I just thought, wow, that that is amazing to me. So, yeah, That's you terrible. yeah. <clears throat> and correct me if I'm wrong or if you disagree with me, but for me, I feel like when you're writing a memoir, whether it's trauma related or or in different, um, it is as much for the writer as it is for the reader. Yeah, I mean, they say you've got to write for yourself first. I, I would say that's the first thing. I mean, the when I was writing my story, I was I kept questioning sometimes whether is this keeping me too stuck in the past? Like maybe this is not healthy to be doing this. I would put it away for long periods of time and then pull it out. But then, I mean, what kept me going was I thought if even one person who's had a similar experience reads this and this helps them in some way. Cause at one point, I mean, I was suicidal and I just thought, you know, this is, I really want to show people, look, you can go through hell and come out the other side. And, and that was in my lowest points that might sound grandiose, but that's what was keeping me going. Yay, Heather. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> so Heather, can you share your book with us? Tell us your story. Well, it's uh, it was originally supposed to cover a 20-year period, and then it just kept expanding. It starts with the, the death of my father, and I was there when he died. I was just him and I in the room, and uh, at, towards the end anyway. And then it jumps back to me traveling in India when I was in my um, early 30s. I traveled with my father initially for a month. And while that happened, some things happened that jarred me back to my childhood. I had had these childhood memories, but it was like I didn't really want to believe them. That's quite a common thing that people, uh, abuse survivors tend to sort of repress or um, just not give weight to their memories. And so some of the things happened that triggered those again. And then I had some, a lot of sexual harassment happen to me when I was traveling alone in India and that brought things up to the fore too. And so I really started realizing, wow, I can't just ignore this anymore. I don't want to ignore this anymore. So when I got home, that's when I really started my whole healing process. I started working on this, the book and believe it or not, initially I wasn't even going to write about the incest, but then it was just like, how can I not write this? So um so i end up going working with a therapist and and just doing a lot of stuff and opening up to it and and um i could talk about that and then i end up i fell in love and uh <laughs> end up getting married and um then my husband died and going through all of that and then the death of my dad and my mom and just all these things but um it just it was it's basically a trip through my own healing and the thing that I found when I read a lot of incest memoirs they seem to to me to jump from okay here's these horrible things happening 
And then now here I am, I'm this happy, healthy adult, but I would want to know, yeah, but how did you get from there to there? So I really want, in any storytelling, the middle part is where the complications and sort of the nitty gritty are. So that's why in my book, I really want to show um, all the different things that I went through, like dealing with my anger, and it, and I'm a very spiritual person, so I was wanting to make my spiritual beliefs shape how I respond to the situation. Like I chose to forgive my father, although that didn't come naturally at all. It took me probably 20 years. I mean, initially I forgave him, but I realized it was just a abstract intellectual exercise. I, I wanted to really own it and in my body. And even that stance is prompted a lot of uh, controversy amongst people I know. I, I actually lost one friend over it um, because it's not, we tend to live in a society where we want to punish people and that people are evil monsters. And I was trying to seek understanding and uh, that's not a stance that everybody approves of. So then I had to deal with the, all the kickbacks, well not kickbacks, I can't think of the word, but anyway, the reactions to that. So um, even from publishers, I was amazed that publishers felt like as soon as you put your life on the page, they think that they can give you like free Freudian analysis. Like one publisher told me they thought I had, I was motivated by vengeance and, um, oh yeah, it was just, it's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that surprises me to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Well, I know the one thing that really shocked me was I learned that the blame the victim stance is much more entrenched in our society than I thought, even amongst educated uh, hmm. I was shocked. That really shocked me. Hmm. If you didn't have writing as a way of telling your story, and if you didn't have writing as a way of, you know, expressing your creativity what do you think you would be doing i love this soul collage by the way i need to know yeah more well I, I i was just gonna say that i mean it was a huge healing uh resource for me and i do mention it in the book and i'm actually working uh, on a short video to help promote my book and it's going to include some of the soul collage cards i made through my healing but it, it's a tremendous process. It was started by a woman in the States, Sina Frost, and it's based on Jungian therapy. And the idea is that all aspects of ourselves serve us in some way. Like we're, we tend to want to push away and resist uh, and sort of demonize the parts of ourselves that we don't like. But this actually says, no, they are serving you. They are helping you embrace them. And so... When I was in low times, even when I didn't feel like writing, I might have felt a lot overwhelmed by conflicting emotions. I could just make a soul collage card. It's a five, five by night, five by nine card. And um, that those images would reflect how I was feeling. It's kind of like doing dream work. I mean, you might not even know what it means at the time. And then also it works with archetypal influences. For instance, if I want to draw more compassion or forgiveness into my life I could create a forgiveness card or create a compassion card and I did that for while I was in my healing and then I also created some very very dark cards but it, it almost to me I feel like it it helps because again you're getting it out of your body you're putting it out in a visual way and soul collage does not use words at all it's only visuals so for me I felt that was a good balance to 
after being so immersed in in words. So I I really love that process. And there are now I'm a trained facilitator in it, and there are now facilitators all around the world actually. Um, hmm, I'm intrigued. And photography, I also have done photography for a long time, and that's been a great um, help too. It sounds like between the books and the collages and the photography, you're really just really passionate about capturing things and communicating them. Yes, and, and I one sort of theme that's always held through my life, and I use the metaphor of the emperor's clothing, that children's story. I've always been that kid that wants to say the emperor is not wearing any clothes. Like that's I've always wanted to reveal the truth behind the facade. And that's something that uh, keeps me going. That's definitely a recurring theme in my life. Mm. And I'm sure you have some kickbacks sometimes for it too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, people do not want to have you burst the bubble. That's for sure. And that's one of the things that I have found with this story I've written because, and you see, I watch a lot of true crime shows and it's the same thing. Our minds seem to not be able to accept that uh, two opposite things can exist in the same human. Like they'll say, oh, well, so-and-so, so such a lovely neighbor, or he's so good with the kids or whatever. So then they think, how could he go out and murder his wife? Like those two things do not, the cognitive dissonance we are not very good at. And that's what I had to deal with in my own self. And that's what the book is about, too, is how do you integrate love and abuse in your own life? Because I loved my father. He uh, and, and so it's really hard. It was very hard for me to to bring those things together. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sorry that you did. You did have to go through all of that. And uh, I'm intrigued by the title of the book. Mm hmm. Um, you probably don't want to give it away because it might explain it in the story, but no letter in your pocket. So I keep thinking every time I look at that title, I keep thinking, what does that mean? But I'm sure it's in the story and you don't want to give it away. But can you tell us anything about where the title came from? Oh, well, yeah, I can mention I'll mention a little bit about it. It does refer to a letter that I wrote to my father after he had died. And I actually include the letter at the very end of the book and it's mm. it's one of the things that is prompts real strong response from people too because it's like i want i'm telling him i honor the pure part of you that child part of you while i don't ignore what you did and and um, i think some people think i'm being too easy on him or something I don't know but anyway it was it came out totally spontaneously I did not that's exactly how it came out and one of my readers said something like oh this is not believable or something and meanwhile I thought well hey that's reality that's exactly what I wrote that's how it came out so anyway so I put it down on the page it's interesting to me why people think people would make up this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense. And those aren't, it's okay, because those aren't the people that are needing to read it anyway. Well, I just, again, I think it goes back to that cognitive dissonance thing. People don't have a place to put this in their own brain. Like, especially if you haven't dealt with your own wound, you're going to project, I tell my students that too, everybody's going to project their own wound onto what you're writing. So that's why you have to be really clear about your meaning and what, because you don't have control over 
what somebody's going to project onto your words. So you've got to try to make them as clear as you can. Hmm. I'm just curious. Do you ever have clients who ask you if it's okay to ask for permission from certain people mentioned in their story? Because oh, definitely. That's okay. That's absolutely been one. In fact, that's one of the issues I covered in the um, both in the uh, webinar I did and in the class I did last spring because that is an important consideration. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I mean, as much as possible in general, you'd want to try to use people's real names. But in my book, I don't. I actually one of the men I was involved with at the time, he actually said, oh, don't use my real name. And uh I actually never name my father in the book, although anybody who knows who's from Toronto will know who it was. But um, I also made the choice that I didn't want the book to come out until after he had died. That was a very conscious decision. Um, but yeah, everybody, I would say there's a lot of legal things involved and I don't want to get into all the nitty gritty of that. But uh, yeah, just to feel safer, if you, I would suggest changing names and some of the maybe defining characteristics of somebody that's a pretty common thing to do in in our genre of creative nonfiction, which is what mine is i have a master's in that that's what i was teaching mm. you know i talked to a publisher once and he said well memoirs don't sell and i kind of looked at him and i said well they do but let's look at why we're writing this, right? So there's people write memoirs for lots of different reasons. Um, I think money is really at the bottom of that list. Uh, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to anything in publishing, money should not be your motivation. If it is, you're going to be awfully disappointed unless you're a huge celebrity or something, because publishing is definitely not the field to be in if you're trying to make the big bucks, absolutely. So, um, yeah, no, I, in fact, I had a U.S. agent tell me, uh, oh, nobody's interested in incest, write about your India travels. And then I had another one who wanted me to rewrite the whole book, like a novel and, uh, you know, all different things. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So you've already mentioned in our You've already mentioned in our conversation that you have a couple of tools. So one of them was the timing. And I've used that myself when I, people call it writer's block or I'm stuck or whatever it is. They, and it actually works. Mm -hmm. Even if you just don't feel like writing that day or whatever it is. But once you get started, it's hard to stop. Well, and I would also say be open to, because I believe that your deeper self is always wanting to come out and find a voice. And it's it's our logical controlling brains that keep it tamped down. And I would say, like, be honor and trust what comes out on the page, even if it takes you in a direction that is not where you want to go. For instance, with um, one of my kids, my first kid's book, I was in India working on a screenplay and uh, I kept getting this goldfish voice <laughs> coming to me. And it seemed to be like in a, kid's voice and it was very insistent and so and it seemed to be coming from a deep place so I thought okay I'll listen to that so um and the message I was seemed to be getting about it was um about letting go the concept of letting go so I decided to write a book for kids about let the concept of letting go and I didn't know anything about writing for children I had never planned to do that at all and so then I did and then I end up doing another one 
um, too. And when I when I look back in retrospect, I think subconsciously I was working through my relationship with my father in the first book, mm -hmm. and then with the relationship with my mom in the next book. But anyway, that opened up a whole field for me that I was had never had any intentions to be in. So that's interesting. <laughs> And the other thing someone can do too, which I find is you can ask a question with your non-dominant hand and then answer it with your the hand you normally write with. And uh, the premise of that is that writing with your non-dominant hand also connects you with your subconscious or your deeper self. And that's an interesting process too. Hmm. And I love when you said, write down, I remember or I don't remember. I, you know, it sounds so simple, but when you said that, I'm like, I could do that right now. And it would be like easy. I could do it. It would be easy. I would get my feeling out. Sometimes we're so caught up in using the right words. To me, it's more important to get the emotion across, especially when you're talking about trauma or a memoir, personal story, anything like that. I think if you can make the reader feel what you feel and not feel like, you know, that they're not alone in their struggle, I think you've already won. Oh, absolutely. The emotional component is huge. And I tell people that, you know, when you're creating descriptions for an atmosphere of the, somewhere on the page, it's totally up to you by the words you choose, what kind of atmosphere you're going to create, what kind of mood you or emotional response you want from the reader. And I've actually given the exercise where I've, I've put some object on the, table and then I'll have them do an exercise that I want you to write about as if this was the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in the world and then after they do that then they write about the exact same thing that this is the most horrific thing mm. you've ever seen in the world so it's the same object but it's all about how they the words they choose to describe it great exercise I love that so in addition to using the timing and using the I remember, is there anything else that you think might help people along in their writing journal? Uh, well, I'm I'm a real fan advocate of keeping a pen and paper next to your bed and, and just jotting stuff down because it's easy for the mind to say, oh, that's not important or I'll remember tomorrow morning or something, but no um right have it all in one place because again that's telling yourself that you're taking it seriously and even if you suddenly wake up at three in the morning and it's dark I would still say write it down get it down there it that really helps you know what I did once is oh I got feedback here what I did once was um I had my phone and it was like middle of the night and I wanted to write something down even if it's not for writing a book, but I wanted to remember something. I just get out my recorder on my phone and I'll just speak into it because I'm like, oh, I'm too tired to get a pen and a paper. And I go back to it and I'm like, I don't know what kind of words I used, but I know exactly what I wanted to say. And then just take out the pen and paper, you know? So I was let, I was telling you, so I wrote a memoir a couple of years ago about my father dying and how it changed my life. And it was all done on scrap pieces of paper. Mm -hmm. and interviewing him before he passed away and I had to collect all these papers and some of them were written in pencil so I kind of had to like hold it up to the light and see what <laughs> I, you know so as long as it gets out when you need it to get out and and like you you said that you took a long time to write it mm -hmm. it's hard because yeah. when you're emotionally invested as opposed to writing a novel 
Yeah. Things come up. It's tough. It's okay to put it down. Mm -hmm. I know. I laugh now because when I was doing my master's, I asked one of my uh, profs, how long do you think that this will take me to write? And she said, four years. And to me at that time, that seemed like an eternity. And meanwhile, it took a lot longer than that. But then again, I just felt like, you know, it has its own, um, its own time frame. Like you can't force something into being before it's meant to be. Like I said, I kept adding on to it because I felt like my husband's death was relevant to everything and then including my mom's death so the time frame just kept expanding and and, and then I actually end up incorporating some of the responses I was getting from mm. publishers and readers and stuff too so interesting yeah. hmm. so I know you do um other you said other subjects besides trauma um memoirs would you say that if somebody's writing a novel where it's not like a true story do you think then, yes, it's easier to have a deadline because things won't come up. It's not a personal story. Like it's, okay, I'm going to write, you know, 10,000 words this week. I'm going to, you can kind of space it out. Whereas when it's a memoir and something personal, you have to kind of give yourself permission to be free and and give yourself more time, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think a novel can be tough too because sometimes people make the choice in fact I have a student right now sometimes people make the choice of they want to write a novel about something that happened for real but they don't feel like that nonfiction. they can't go that that's too risky too vulnerable to do it in nonfiction. maybe they don't like that genre so they're going to do it as a novel but that doesn't mean that you're still not if you're writing about things that happen or drawing on your own experience you're still going to have responses so mm -hmm. um so yeah i don't think writing fiction is necessarily makes it easier but yeah you probably there is less uh revelation direct revelation that way so i mean i for the kids mm -hmm. books i wasn't writing about myself so i can't answer that i'm really immersed in, in creative nonfiction. so no that's great wow i can really see um even non-writers that are listening that and they think oh i could never write if you have a story and we all have a story sometimes you're like oh i don't have an interesting story who's going to want to read that or but we all have a story that may help someone else whether you decide to publish it or not write it write it down share it with yourself even if you don't want to share it with anybody else because whether it's a celebrating story or a very dark story, I think it will help you grow and move forward in your life and you'll learn about yourself. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's like what I said, it's crossing a threshold. And that's, uh, if you look at the sort of the aspect of the hero's journey and all the different steps along the way, I mean, that's an important step. You're taking something from the unknown uh, without a voice and bringing it out into the light and giving it a voice. And that's huge even if you end up being the only one who uh reads it and uh, early on when i was just reading excerpts of my book um you know years ago in my own community i was surprised at the people who came up to me afterwards and said i had the same experience and these are people i've known or might have known for over a decade and i had no idea like if my story if i hadn't brought that issue up they would never have known that. In my meditation class, I 
there was only about a dozen of us and I brought that up one time and made that the theme. And it turns out that a, a third of the people in our meditation group had all either directly been experienced incest or had their um, grandchildren or something be affected by it. So I really mm -hmm. feel like it's a subject that's still in the closet, so to speak, to some degree, because we have a view that the family is just this such a sanctified, sacred thing to, to, to speak out against it or bring out it out into the light is something that, you know, most people don't want to know, especially if it's ruining the image that somebody had of someone. I mean, it was hard enough for me to deal with that. So, so I understand people not wanting to um, deal with that because it's, yeah, it's not easy, but uh, I think it's really important. I, I feel like that's a big part of what a writer's job is to bring a voice to things that, you know, taking the personal and making it universal to give a voice to the things that other people are experiencing, but might not want to actually ever share with anyone. Yeah, I really, I appreciate you saying that because I think we need that little push that to make us get started because it is scary. And most things in life that move us forward are scary. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's the whole yin yang thing you can't have the light without the darkness if you're not willing to go the darkness then i love the buddhist metaphor of the lotus flower that it's you know its roots are down in the muck and you can't see them <laughs> and that's what creates the beautiful flower and if you just focus on the beautiful flower you're not seeing all that so-called crap and Natalie Goldberg uses that term too when she's talking about that wild mind process. She calls it composting. You've got to <laughs> churn out all that crap and get up there to in order to get that maybe one little piece of of gold that's in there. Well, you've taught me some things today. Thank you. Well, thank you. Is there anything we didn't talk about today that you would like to talk about with the uh people who are even interested in trying this you know like there's just so many gifts in it well I just want to say unfortunately in our society we get conditioned to think that unless we're somebody famous nobody's going to be interested in our story and that's not true at all like I said it even says on my business card we all have a story what's yours so so I would just say start wherever you want to start it can be with an image it can be with one line and and the more you open up to that and trust it, then um, it'll just start flowing. I I um, really believe that. So, um, I was going to mention if anybody, since you're in Barrie, I don't know where all your listeners are, but I'm actually going to be doing the launch for my um, memoir on May 28th in Toronto. It's oh. going to be eight of us from the publisher Guernica Editions, and it's going to be at 3:30 at the Supermarket bar in Ken Kensington which is down uh, yeah downtown Toronto so I love Kensington I used to work in a recording studio down there I'm a recording engineer by trade oh, yeah. long oh. time ago yeah and uh, I love that what day of the week is May 28th That's, it's a Sunday Ooh, I may <laughs> just make it Sunday my, afternoon at 3 30 it's my birthday weekend yes well and ironically I didn't set that date the publisher did and yet the Next day is the would be the anniversary of my father's um, birthday, and the 
and the May 30th is the anniversary of my husband's death. So I just thought it's interesting, the timing of, of when that is too. There's that spiritual talking to us again, right? Wow. Yes. Please send me the information on that. I would love to attend. That would be amazing. Well, yeah, well they haven't. They're, I think they're just doing up the flyers now, but when I get one, I'll send it to you. Thanks. Thank you. I would love that very much. And, you know, guys, check out her website, heathercon.com. And we're going to put all the links to her books. We're going to put links to her. She's got a video on her website. Check out all of the different things that she does. And it is a pleasure to have met you today. And thank you for coming here and making everybody feel, you know, that they can do this, that it doesn't have to be as scary as you think it's going to be. And whether or not people like it, that's not the reason you're reading. You're writing it. Yeah, write for yourself first. That's what they always say. So I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed that. You're a great interviewer. Oh, thank you. And I'm serious. I'm not just, uh, as they say, blowing smoke up your ass. I'm, I'm totally serious about that. Oh. oh, thank you. It's funny because, you know, I'm actually a pretty quiet person. But when I talk about things that I love and I'm passionate about, then the little bit of extrovert comes more out, you know. But I love to read and I love to write and I love sharing stories. And I was, that's why I really wanted to invite you on here because I think that it's going to help people that are listening. And I think people need to set a time, set time aside for themselves. You know, we could all say, oh my goodness, I don't have time to write a book. Who has time to listen to my sad story or any of these things? And I can tell you from the before I wrote the book to after I wrote my book, my life has changed mm -hmm. and I understand myself better and I understand um, the world views a little bit better and your life has changed so much before and after all of the things that you have written and um, it's an adventure. It's pretty awesome. So, and you'll be proud of it when you're finished and it's okay to be a little bit scared and what doesn't have risks? Exactly. What doesn't have risks, but giving voice to the voiceless, you know, I say that a lot when it comes to um, helping people around the world in a different way, but through writing, I never thought of it that way, but it's absolutely doing that. Absolutely. Well, and on Netflix, Brene Brown has a yes. video called, I think it's called The Call of Courage, and she talks about how you can't have courage without vulnerability. Like a lot of people think those are two opposing things, but they're not. They're they're synonymous. So, but again, our culture doesn't teach us that. It teaches us that vulnerability is a weakness, but it isn't. To truly open up to yourself and to be allow yourself to be visible and uh, vulnerable is it's hugely empowering. But it, yeah, it's also scary too. But it's 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 great. But maybe the culture will change if more and more of us stand up. Yeah, I think so. Well, thank you, Heather, so much. Please keep in touch and do send me that flyer because I'd love to meet you in person. And um, that would be such a fun day. Absolutely. Oh, that sounds great. Well, thank you so much. Like I said, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, thank you. And I will read your book and I will give you the thoughts my thoughts oh. not that my thoughts matter at all oh, sure they when do. it comes to it but I won't be judging you don't worry I'm not like those publishers you had mentioned <laughs> who are trying to analyze you and therapy you through this book 
Well, I invite people to put comments on uh, after they've read it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, all that, because that really helps with the sales of books too. So yeah, and the more we get the message out and share with people, not just for the sales, but more people can hear the story, more people will be inspired to write their own, and. Um, yeah, we need to we need to help each other out. You know, we need to yeah. we all have dark sides and bright sides and yeah. or we should. And if we don't admit it, then I think we're lying about it. But we all have these sides to ourselves and it just it kind of makes us interesting. So so thank you so much, Heather. And I oh, hope you have you. a fabulous day. Oh, you too. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> okay. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.